It's oh, it's going back and forth. That's fun. See, if you want to join that team of amazing men and make it men and women, uh, then you should do that. Okay, now you can actually hear me. That's good. I'm a lot louder now. I'm going to try not to mess that up as we go. But if I were to say to you, focus, what would you normally do? Probably look up. Some of you did. Second, I said focus. Uh, uh, if, we're, if we are distracted, most of us would begin to point our eyes toward whoever said focus. If you're a teacher, you probably have said this. You have creative ways to do this. If you're uh, ever uh, led youth group, you find fun ways to do that. Uh, children's ministry, certainly you have fun ways to do it. As somebody who grew up with ADHD, I heard this all the time. Most of the time it was being yelled at me um, in order to get me to focus, which you can guess how well that always worked. Um, yell at somebody who has ADHD to focus, and they're, they're sure to focus more. But it's just something that never came easy to me. Focusing is not one of my enormous traits. If you've ever talked to me, if you've ever tried to have a one-on-one conversation, you'll notice uh, it's not often that I'm going to look you in the eyes for an extended period of time because i got to see I'm looking at everything else that's going on around me, and I can get distracted very easily. As a father, it's become a lot more important to learn how to focus. Um, Watching children, um, I've already noticed uh, you actually have to pay attention to them. Um, That helps, um, especially when they're small kids. And uh, Kiara has a knack of, man, I will be watching her, looking at her, and I'm telling you, I look away for one second. I turn back around, she's got a fistful of feathers in her mouth. Uh, we have these pillows on our couch that have feathers in them, and she will find every single one of those feathers. And you just turn around, and she's doing that like chew thing where you can tell there's something in her mouth, and it's not supposed to be. So um, that girl has a talent for getting those feathers in her mouth. But, uh, you know, she, she, she can climb up on the couch in, in less than a second. She's amazing at it. Um, so learning how to focus and pay attention to them uh, to make sure that they stay safe and things don't go awry with them is, is obviously very important. Killian was the same way. Um, some of us are probably a lot better at focusing than others. Uh, we find it a little bit easier to, to zone in on one thing, to uh, just keep our attention on one person or one activity or one thing than others. Some of us, we have to have multiple things going on in order to focus well. Some people decide uh, to focus on the wrong things at the wrong times. How many of you love when someone almost plows you over with their car and when you go to give them that dirty look that you, you all know what I'm talking about, when you pass somebody that just cut you off or almost hit you and you give them the look, right? You look into the car to give them the look. And they don't even know you're doing it because they're looking at their cell phone. Oh, that's my favorite thing. As a pastor, I always just bless them and tell them how much Jesus loves them. I, incur- I offer to set up an appointment between them and Jesus uh, very nicely. Uh, yeah, that does not make me very happy. I hate that. I hate when you see somebody on their cell phone. I don't even like it if they haven't even cut me off. I just see them on their phone. And it makes me, puts me in a little bit of a rage. 
So it's like that's not what you're supposed to be focusing on. The road is what you're supposed to be focusing on. And certainly since I've had children, I have kids in the back of the car seeing somebody swerving on the road or doing something. Actually, uh, this is an interesting story. When I was in college, I was driving to church on Sunday morning. And this person is like all over the road. I mean, literally swerving into uh, the other lanes. I'm trying to get by them, and I'm nervous to even try to get by them. And naturally, I'm blessing them in the name of the Lord and all of the things that come with that. And I'm ready to run this person off the road. Like, I'm, I'm in like a rage now. And I finally get by them, and I can't even see who it is because they've got a newspaper. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They're reading a newspaper. And so I, I finally get to church. I'm not far from the church at this point. I get to the church. I pull in, and I'm, like, I'm taking a few moments to like decompress before I walk in, because I'm like, I got to walk in and talk to people. And normally, I don't do that very well. Uh, and I, it's hard for me to smile in general. So, okay, I'm, I'm just taking a moment. I, maybe I don't, can't remember what I was doing, probably playing a little worship song or something, trying to get myself back in the zone. And this person pulls into the parking lot <laughs> with the newspaper. And I'm thinking like, Jesus, you better show up right now. Because if not, I'm going to jail. And I'm not kidding you. That newspaper comes down. It was the pastor. <laughs> it was 100% it was the pastor. I almost lost it. I almost lost it. And I knew him because he actually taught at the college. Uh, whew, man, I was like, that is not the thing to be focusing on on a Sunday morning. He almost met Jesus. And so did many other people on the road. Learning how to focus on the proper things is an art. It's a discipline. I've found that out to be even more true for somebody who struggles with attention problems. Learning how to focus on something is a learned discipline. There are a lot of instances in life, like driving, where focus is not suggested but required. We must focus on something. Usually the road would be nice. I hope that we as Christians see our uh, Christian life as a place that we need focus, that uh, we must focus in our life. And I would argue it's one of, if not the most important area of our life that we need to develop focus in. And I found it's one of the areas many people have no focus in. They don't know how to focus. Uh, they think Bible study is just throwing the Bible open every couple months and reading whatever page and believing that God spoke that, that page to them that morning because that's where they flip to and they try to make up a spiritual you know, encounter over that and that, that, that's not focus. And um, they, they talk to Jesus but only when you know, crisis hits or when they're in a really bad spot or uh, when their pastor is trying to drive them off the road with a newspaper. Uh, you know, that's the only time we talk to Jesus and that's certainly not the Christian life focus that we want. Most of us have been a Christian uh, for any length of time. We know what it's like to get our eyes off Jesus. Some of us have had seasons where that's happened, some just days. Some have, we've, you know, we look, I, I hear it uh, many times when I talk to someone, ask them, I don't want just your testimony. Tell me, tell me your, your journey. Tell me about your journey. And they tell me of, well, I, I came to know Christ as a kid, and then I you know, followed my own stuff, and then I came back, and there was a season where I went to church, and then I went back, and, and then I came back to Jesus, and I've been following him now for a while. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to guess many of you have, well, maybe not many, some of you have that story. 
That's your walk with Jesus. And that's a focus problem. Uh, we get our eyes on something else, and we think, oh, look at that. That might bring me the joy that I want. That might bring me the satisfaction I want. That might bring me whatever it is I'm seeking for. And so we go off after that. Some of us, it's maybe just for a day, or it's a year, or it's a season where we've gotten our eyes off of Jesus, and we've focused on something else. Most of us have experienced it wasn't long before we started to sink as well. Just like Peter did as he walked on the water, he got his eyes off Jesus, onto the waves, onto the storm, onto the things around him, and he began to sink. And it's what happens when we get our eyes off Jesus. That's what this entire series has been about, is the reality that walking by faith isn't easy. And I started this series off by talking about how what I don't want to do in this series is downplay the realities that get our eyes off Jesus. Uh, it's very real um, that our eyes will get off of Jesus at different times. It's not a, well, if your eyes ever get off Jesus, it's when you get your eyes off Jesus. Because each and every one of us is flawed. And we do look to this world to fill the gaps that Jesus should fill, to bring the, the uh, satisfaction that only following Jesus fills. We've, many of us have testimony after testimony of us trying other things to fill the spots that only Jesus fills. And I hope this morning, each time you've been met with a realization of, man, that was not intelligent. Why was I looking to the world to fill that? It never could it fails and then we get a little bit more of jesus and we realize this is what i needed but then for whatever reason after a few steps after a a little bit of our journey we notice our eyes get off of jesus again and it's because we lack spiritual focus this morning we're going to talk about the three areas i believe pull our attention off of jesus the most And those areas are going to be our past, our problems, and our kingdoms. These are the three areas I see um, that get our eyes off Jesus the quickest and the easiest. This morning, as we close out our sinking series, I want to look at how each of these distractions, I want to look at each of them and see how do they get our eyes off Jesus. Because each of those things in and of themselves don't get our eyes off Jesus, But when they're viewed in an improper way, they do get our eyes off Jesus. The thing about our past, talking about our past first, is we each have a lot of good things in our past, but we each have a lot of not-so-good things in our past. It doesn't really matter your age, uh, whether you're talking to a teenager, you're talking to an adult. We all have good stuff and not-so-good stuff in our past. The enemy will use both of those. He won't just use the bad stuff. He'll also use the good stuff to get our eyes off Jesus. Well, how can he do that? Well, some of the ways that he'll use the good stuff to get our eyes off Jesus is to remind us of how good we used to have it. Can't tell you how many people I've talked to, married couples, and uh, some of you remember what it was like to be single and that like, I have to get married. I went to college and I didn't know this was a thing, um, but people would say like, oh yeah, the, she's just looking for the MRS degree. And at first I didn't know what that was until I put it together. I'm like, oh, that's Mrs. Oh yeah, they're just here to get a husband. And to find out, oh, there was a good number of them that were just there to find a husband. 
and they didn't, had no interest in studying. They were just spending $18,000 a year to find a husband. Um, there are definitely cheaper ways to do that. But we, we pursued this thing called marriage, and we just we wanted to be married. We, want, we didn't want to be single anymore. We wanted someone to share our life with. And we get married, and it's not long before we're like, oh, I miss it. I miss being able to do whatever I wanted. I miss being able to live my life the way I want and be able to go out with my friends whenever I want and be able to do the things I, you know, I, I've heard that. We begin to remember how good we had it, how good it used to be, which each and every time is almost entirely selective memory because we think back to when how good we used to have it. It wasn't that good. It's why we wanted to be married. It's why we wanted out of that situation. Many of us struggle with that future uh, prob- uh, vision problem where we're always looking forward to the next season uh, to the point we can't enjoy the season we're currently in. I don't know if any of you struggle with that. I do. Um, I can be that way. I'm always looking so far ahead that I forget I need to worry about today sometimes, and I deal with that. And I can sometimes think like, oh, once this happens, then I'll be happy. Once we get to this place, we'll be happy. Once you know, I can walk out of the room and not have to worry that my kids are you know, going to hurt themselves, then I can just relax at home and everything will be great. And we're always looking forward to the next season. Because we think, oh, I remember how good we used to have it. But it's selective memory. See, what it does is it creates a dissatisfaction with our current circumstances. When we look back and we think, oh, it used to be so good. I actually hear this in the church a lot. Oh, back in this year, back in this time, back in when it was this way. Oh, it was so good. We used to have it so good. Do you remember the story when Moses rescues the entire nation of Israel from horrendous slavery in Egypt through some truly amazing miracles? I mean, it's an awesome uh, account of all the things that God does, the ways that he shows up in order to rescue the nation of, of Israel from this slavery. Then, when a little adversity hits, the enemy reminds them of how good they used to have it. And when you read this, it seems like, are these, is there something mentally wrong with this group of people? Like, because we read this account, and it's kind of like a short time span, but this is actually, uh, you know, it, it's a good period of time where they've had some time to now, they're out of slavery, they're out of the, the, the tough parts of, of what they remember, they're no longer being forced, you know, through whips and all of these punishments uh, to uh, make these bricks for the Egyptians and, and the horrible things that they endured under slavery. They've been out of it just a little while, but then adversity hits, and we pick up in Numbers chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so if you want to follow along in your own copy of God's Word, I encourage you to do that, uh, but I'll be reading from the New Living. You can obviously follow in whatever you want. Um, Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 to 6. It says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Now, I get it, you know, I get it. They want some meat. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks, onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Any of you parents ever uttered the words, you ungrateful, whatever follows from there? I can only imagine, like, being God, it's like, 
This manna is a miracle. Like, it's not even natural. I do this by my power. It should bring awe to your face every time you see this manna. But we experience God and something, a blessing of his for a period of time. We begin to take it for granted. It begins to just become what we do. I don't know if church has become that way for you. Oh, it's just another Sunday. Oh, man, maybe we can just watch online. Maybe we just, let's just sit on a couch and watch. That's just too much work to go over there. We forget the blessing of what we have because we begin to, the blessing goes on and on. And so we take it for granted. And so here in this, in this account, Israelites begin to think back. And all they remember, they have this selective memory of the good things of Egypt. They forget the beatings. They forget how Pharaoh wanted to kill all their children. Um, they weren't even allowed to have uh, males at, at one point. They were, allow- you know, they were reducing the families down and, and all of these horrible things that happened to them. They remember the meat and the onions and the garlic and the leeks and the spices and the tasty things of life. And they actually want to go back. They begin to crave going back. And what do you think would have happened if they had gone back? Do you think that would have been like, yay, look, we have all the meat we can eat now. What a blessing. They would have been back in the exact same place. Oh, remember how good we had it in the wilderness. Oh, we were free then. Everything was good back then. That's how the enemy gets us. It wasn't good in Egypt, but we only remember the good stuff when the enemy is whispering those lies to us. And we begin to to grow dissatisfied with what we have. We begin to grow dissatisfied with our current season. We, We stop moving forward and we begin to long to go backward. That becomes uh, our focus. In Isaiah, the Lord reminds the Israelites of the good things he's done. He brings to remembrance the good things he's done, but it's to discourage them from focusing on the past. Look in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 19. He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Now I just want to pause here for a moment. And I want to speak, this is like a prophetic word for us this morning. Some of you have been in this church for a long time. Some of you have been to other churches. You've seen other ministries, the way they've done things. And God is saying to you this morning, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. God wants to do incredible things through our church, in your life, and in the community of Dubois. And he is saying, forget all of that amazing stuff that I've done. Now, does God actually mean forget it? No, obviously that's not, you're misreading this if you think he's saying, actually put it out of your mind. God is the one who told them to build the, the uh, mounds of stones and to build the remembrance things uh, so that they would remember. He's not saying actually forget it, remove it from your mind. What he's saying is stop focusing on it. 
Stop looking back and, 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 and desiring what was. He's saying, I'm going to do amazing things. Look forward to what I'm going to do, he's saying. He goes on, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, as I prepared the sermon this week, God made it very clear this was for us this morning. If you've not realized that God is doing something new here, it's, it's already begun, it's stirred. We've had people visit our church and they've told me, God, God is doing something. There's a presence of the Holy Spirit here and it's powerful and I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. God is at work. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you know what he's doing? Or are we so stuck at looking back and wondering, oh, I wish we had this back. It was so good when, whatever that is. How has the enemy used this tactic in your life? How has he used this rear view mirror tactic to get your eyes off Jesus? Are you in a season of your life where you just wish you could go back to a different season? Go back to when you had less responsibility, more responsibility. Go back to when you had this job or that job. Go back to when church was this way or we did it this way. Maybe, if you're like me, sometimes you're hit with, man, I wish we could just go back to pre-COVID. Oh, man. I wish we could just go back to before the whole thing started. February of 2020. Could we just go back there? But God's doing a new thing. Forget all that stuff. God's doing something new. Do we perceive it? Has the enemy been reminding you of how good you used to have it to keep you distracted from what God wants to do today? Or maybe he doesn't have your mind focused on the good things of the past. Maybe he's got your mind focused on the not-so-good things of the past. Maybe that's what we've been talking about. Maybe that's not what uh, he has your eyes set on. But maybe the enemy has been reminding you of who you used to be. Or, here's another one, more for the church this morning. Maybe he's reminding you of something somebody else did. Hey, don't forget that person did this. Don't forget that offense that person had against you. Don't forget the stress, the hurt, all the stuff that has occurred. Don't forget that, the enemy says. Maybe he's reminding you of the things you've done in the past. When you begin to, maybe you're, you're in a worship moment and you're, you're worshiping God and, and you're beginning to, to get excited again for what God can do in your life and the enemy says, hey, don't forget who you are. Hey, don't forget what you've done. Hey, don't you remember Tuesday? Yeah, you remember that? You don't deserve to worship him. That's the enemy, and he's really, really good at it, reminding us. The enemy will use your past to isolate you. It's one of the best tactics he uses to say, hey, don't let the people at church know who you are. They won't accept it. They won't receive you. They won't understand. They're going to look down on you. Look at the way that person's looking at you. He'll also use it to make you feel shame to keep you where you are, 
to keep you feeling like I have to be the most messed up person here. And if, if they only knew, he'll use it to make you feel like everybody looks down on you, that they secretly know the stuff that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with, that somehow somebody told them, and that's why they're looking at you that way. And unfortunately, sometimes that's true, but most of the time it's just the enemy, just trying to isolate you, to make you feel like you're alone, even though you're surrounded by these amazing people who call Dubois Alliance home. This is a group of loving people who I have seen accept in, in beautiful passionate ways. And if you disagree with that statement, you're struggling with this right now. If when I say that you say, ha, 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 you don't, that's the enemy. He's got you focused on the past. What does God say about your past? 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So when the enemy whispers that in your, in your ear and says, hey, don't forget, you're a horrible person. You, re, you need to learn this verse if that's something you struggle with. And you need to speak that out against him every time he whispers that. I uh, can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, we talked about uh, doing a, having these like personal statements, these personal declarations. I encourage you, don't just quote Scripture because sometimes that just becomes like a rote thing we do. Take that scripture, internalize it, and use it to make yourself a personal declaration that speaks specifically to your bad news, to the bad news the enemy tries to speak to you. Use God's good news to speak specifically to your bad news. And that will shut the enemy up real quick. See, the forgiveness of God is far more powerful than your sin. You need to accept that this morning. Some of us need to accept that for ourselves and some need to accept it for others. The enemy wants you to remember how shameful your past is. That's where he wants to keep you. Just in that place where you remember how shameful your past is. God wants you to remember how powerful he is. That's what he wants you to focus on. This doesn't mean that there isn't still work to do. That doesn't mean that God just like, oh, don't worry about it, I've got it covered. God says, yeah, that is messed up, but I'm way bigger than that. You don't understand what I can do if you just give it to me. Just ask me to forgive it, and I'll do incredible things. Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 to 14, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Notice what he says, forgetting the past and looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward. I say it many times, unity is one of the greatest strengths we have as a family of God. And the enemy wants everything but us to forget the past and look forward to what God is going to do. That's one of the things that creates the most disunity in a church is when we look around and we say, that person hurt me, that person messed up, that person never showed up when I asked them to, that person did this, that person did that. And God is saying, forget the past. Look forward. 
to what he's going to do. When the enemy reminds you how horrible you've been, how terrible you were before you knew Christ, or even some of the stuff you've done since you've known Christ, you can say, you know what, enemy? I'm choosing to forget the past. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do, to what lies ahead. Why is it so important to not allow the, uh, our past to keep us looking backward instead of forward? Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go back into your past so you can hang out there for a while. He will personally bring about the things that used to be so that you can feel comfortable again. No, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. The Word of God tells us that God goes before us. He goes to prepare a way. He is the one that makes a path. And the path never goes backward. It always goes forward. He will always lead us forward. Now, sometimes we have to wrestle with the things of the past, and God will heal the things of the past. Some of us have deep wounds that we've talked about before that we need to allow God to heal. We need to open some of those wounds and allow God to, to restore and redeem some of those things and heal those. That's not going backward. That's moving forward with less weight. But God goes before us. The incredible things that God wants to do are in front of us, not behind us. If you're in a place this morning where you feel like the greatest things that God has done in your life are in the past, and you're not looking forward with expectation, I pray that you would be able to release that because the greatest thing God wants to do in your life hasn't happened yet. It's forward. It's moving forward. Allow God to go before you and follow him in that. The past can be a beautiful thing to look back on. I don't know if you all know this, but do you know how old our church is? Do you know what year we hit 100 year? celebration 2024 we will get to celebrate a hundred years of ministry as Dubois alliance church that's pretty awesome and by no means am i going to say oh we can't celebrate that we got to look forward no that's not that's not what god is saying here we will look back and we will celebrate the amazing things that god has done through this church the past can be a beautiful thing to look back on but if we're not careful the enemy will use it to get our eyes off Jesus. Each of us probably has a testimony of a time when the enemy used our past to get our eyes off Jesus and we sank because of it. Some for a season, some for a long season we sank. But it's not just our past that gets our eyes off Jesus, but our problems as well. How does the enemy use our problems to get our eyes off Jesus? Well, when our schedules get tight, when a lot begins to, to close in, is our time with God or his people the first to go? When we're stressed for time, is it, well, man, I've had a busy week. Man, we'll just, we'll just do church at home today. We'll, we'll, we won't engage with the people at church. We won't enjoy that fellowship. We'll just, you know, schedules have been tight. So instead of cutting things from our schedule, we cut God from our schedule. We allow our problems to crowd in. When finances are tight, do we withhold God's money and stop tithing and say, well, that's, that's something I can cut out. I'll, just cu I'll cut that out and then we can make it another month. God will understand. When life gets heavy, do we lean into God or into our hobbies and our other coping mechanisms? 
when we get stressed out, when, when life just seems to be like really beating us up? Do we, do we go to our hobby things? Is it, you know, for me, what is it, kayaking? Or do we go do something that distracts us instead of allowing God to minister to us? Worry and anxiety are really good at getting our eyes off Jesus. Some of you know that more than others. Some of you are predisposed to worry and anxiety. That's one of the things that grips you very easily. It's why Jesus himself says in Matthew 6, 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now we've read this passage multiple times in this series, and there's a reason for that. Because our problems, our worries, our anxiety can either push us closer to Jesus or they can take us away from him. They can distract us and get our eyes on the worry, on the anxiety, on the things that have worked us up instead of pushing us closer to Jesus. We shouldn't pull away from God when life gets difficult. We should lean more into our relationship with God. We should have a, a marked pattern of like, wow, okay, you know what? Things are getting really crazy right now. I just need to get away. For me, it's I need to get outside. I need to go take a walk, and I need to spend some time talking to Jesus. And every time he ministers to me, and I'm less stressed as I walk back in, it's, that's what I needed. I needed time with him. But it's also really easy. Uh, most of you probably don't have this struggle, but uh, I like video games. It's very easy for me to just jump into a video game when I'm stressed out and play a video game for a while and, and distract myself. Some of us, social media is our distraction. I'm, I'm really stressed out. I just need, to, just need to sit down, whether it's in the bathroom or on the couch, and I just need to, I'm going to scroll Facebook. And then all of a sudden, an hour's gone. We're no closer to Jesus. We're no less stressed. We've just distracted ourselves for a period of time. And there are many other hobbies out there that we can use, many other distractions we have, whether that's kids, grandkids, whether it's a newspaper or whatever it might be. We dive into something else instead of saying, you know what, this is a moment I need more of him. And I'm not going to tell you what that has to look like because it's not going into a prayer closet for me, but that might be exactly what it is for you. You need to go somewhere quiet where there are no distractions and you just spend some time with him and he ministers to you. Maybe it's you need to turn on some worship music and you just need to yell it out for a little bit. You just need to yell out to Jesus and worship him and um, that's another one I like to do. Um, and that's how he ministers to you. Maybe it's you just need to sit at your piano or keyboard or I don't know how many musicians we have here and you just need to play your music. You know, maybe you need to make him sing a new song to him. It's one that's never going to get put on paper. 
but you just need to worship him and whatever that looks like. That's how our problems bring us closer to Jesus, but so often they pull us away. Many of us that have kids, man, schedules, whoo, actually had someone one time tell me,